And welcome back to Richmond Target Talk. My name's Nick. And I'm Andy. And Nick, I have to give an apology here because we're recording on a Wednesday night after a Saturday game. And partly because that's how I went to see Maverick, the mm, yep. Top Gun 2. The, the, truly, the truly excellent uh, Maverick. Which, again, the, the, the recording of this podcast has been delayed by an extra 15 minutes because we had to discuss how much we both love the film. <laughs> yeah. What I did not like, love, was the outcome of Saturday Night's game. And, Nick, I woke up at 4am on Sunday morning and was scrolling through free kick table... Uh, st- <laughs> free kick uh, statistics tables, which we'll talk about in a sec, but it, it's for many reasons. It was it was a frustrating game, but also a really admirable game by the team. Yep. But what's your state of mind now that you've had four days to sort of calm down and and reflect on it? Uh, so there are games where I I find the experience of reliving it so stressful that I turn off the commentary and and play sort of sort of quiet, vaguely depressing music in the background to help calm me down. <laughs> and yeah. Oh God. Like, totally me too. I, I just do I've not been as triggered by a game since the two thousand and seventeen loss to the Giants where um the the Shea Bolton got uh goal got um disallowed. Like it was just it, it's been. It was a really hard watch. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the there's. I I almost don't know where to start. Like the 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 Prestier incident, the coverage of the Prestier incident, having Ivan Soldo as the substitute, which ah sent me mad, as you know. <laughs> Uh, our discussion before the game was along the lines of, uh-oh, <laughs> that seems bad. Look, look, we have been both on this show, but also between ourselves, mocking the clubs that put anyone but a fast, quick guy as, as yeah, their sub. Or, or a sort of a, a mid-sized utility type, type player. Because it's such an advantage to put on fresh legs. They always get sort of, yeah. they always double or triple their um, the average players per minute possession rate if when they come on in the third quarter like it, it's a very effective thing and i'm i'm really worried about prestia's injury proneness well in this case was nothing to do with prestia and everything yeah. to do with that act of thuggery but I, like as you know on this book like my, my preference would be either playing inside bid like you know someone like dow um just so you you've got someone else to roll through the midfield which actually turned out we cover that better than we have in the past so the full credit to the team or even better, play someone like Rioli, who was brilliant as a sub last week, as we discussed, because they they, they give you a shot of adrenaline. Now it, it is we played our sub early, which is unusual. Normally they come in in the second half, and Geelong actually never used their sub. Um, interestingly enough, but yeah, that that Soldo was a sub. Was weird, like I, I just that that feels like a a very galaxy brain move when and. You know. and, and, change, and changing at the last minute as well for, for for Ralph Smith. Like, I think, you know, we both... Uh, by the way, Ralph Smith is kind of the perfect guy we're talking about. He'd be one of the perfect options as a sub. Yeah, and we both like Ralph Smith and we're kind of glad that, um, glad that he was back in the team. But yeah, it was weird. 
It was so weird. Yeah, and like that that would have been had it not been for the what else happened in the game, uh, uh, that would have been my first point. I f- I feel Nick because look, I have very very strong opinions on the uh, on the Stuart hit um, as yep. many Richmond supporters do, but I actually feel I think we should talk about the game and who played well for us because I think that's an underdone narrative. Yes, but I, I feel like I feel like we need to work through our pain. Okay. On the, on the Prestia thing, like, how, how do you feel about him getting four weeks? Okay. So, so first on the hit itself, like, so my job as the Ruckman is, it, you know, I, I do that kind of stuff all the time when I play, um, because, you know, just take an extra half step to, especially it's when the other team's best player, just give him a nudge, like, let him know you're there, put him another hit on him, wear him down. That was quite a dirty hit. I, I know that's not controversial, but mm. you know I wouldn't take that extra step. Now I only play amateur, and um, but like yeah. I wouldn't do that because it was just the the extra step was too much. It was clearly too much. Um, yeah. So it was dirty. Um, now, did he meant to hit him as hard as he can? Like you do actually li- lose a tiny bit of control about where it's not like a punch. Like where where your shoulder makes contact, you. D- you don't have complete control of. So it was probably harder than he intended, but he was definitely trying to rough up our best player. Oh, he was trying to bump him. It was, it, was a pre, it was a premeditated act to, in some way, reduce the capability of yeah. our, our most crucial player. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's a full 10 centimetres taller, so there was always a chance that he got him high, and he pretty much got him flush high. Like, it was... You know, it was it was four weeks when the decision came down. I it felt like the minimum acceptable. I, I, look, I, to be honest, I think the problem. I hate it because if you're if you you offer Chris, Chris got that deal, he'd take it. I wonder if he'll. They've got uh, Melbourne in a couple of weeks, and I don't think they can even come close to. Uh, I think. Chris Scott would know in his heart of hearts that without Stuart out there, they're very unlikely to beat Melbourne. Yeah, but you'd take that deal anyway. And the problem is, are you stopping this act in future? Well, if it wasn't Stuart, if it was a mid, it was a mid-level player, mm-hmm. and the AFL and their their infinite con, uh, compromise and uh, conflict of interest probably would have given him more suspension had it been mid-level Geelong player, but the sort of they allow themselves to be taken by this narrative of... Oh, but he's such a good bloke, Andy. And then that is, that is honestly what we should be focused on. He was so traumatised by the act that he wound up being best on ground, well, close to, you know, depending yeah. on who, who you ask. Like that... Like, how is that obviously not crap? He, felt, he looked a what? bit sad in between breaks. Yeah. And no, yeah, the, fo- it, he, the focus um, of our concern should be on the person who viciously assaulted another person rather than the person who apparently was un- unable to speak for some time uh, afterwards and certainly couldn't stand up for a number of minutes. Like, and, you know, and who... Given what we know about the long-term effects of concussion, like the, it, it is grotesque that we are still um, doing the good bloke narrative. And yeah, good blokes do really dirty, nasty things sometimes, and should be punished to the 
to the full extent of what are admittedly a pretty ambiguous set of rules. Yeah, look, the, they play to a level and they go to an extreme of human experience that we don't like to talk about, but it is... Mm. It's part of the. It's part it's of strength. Yeah, if you've if you've ever been in a change room after a, a AFL senior game, like it, those guys put themselves through through hell. Like it is, an, it is an intense physical experience. But you know, but, you have to you have to draw a line on what is acceptable. Yeah, and it, it was he, a terrible look for the game as well. He could have stopped that. He has. Yep. I yep. could have stopped that, and he's a million times was, better athlete was, than me. It was with him. Yeah, it was he made a conscious decision to do it? Like I thought that the the ruling that it was careless was was just nonsense. I just like the the whole the way. Look, Chris Scott's allowed to say what he said in the presser. You know, uh, suddenly you know Captain Philosophy is talking about. I don't believe in punitive justice. Bullcrap, mate! You believed in it four five hours ago. You're just saying some. Some sort of vague suit, the the sort of the old Mickey Mouse. Uh, he can he can do nothing but circle the wagons. Like yeah. he, and, he and like you say a bit of crap that sounds vaguely philosophical and, and impresses people. You know, it's it's like the the talking dog syndrome. That whenever a coach says something that sounds vaguely like they spent two minutes at university, the the media laps it up. But it it was and like he's allowed to do that. It's fine. That's his job. But the, the media to sort of repeat that narrative, and you know, it's partly a Geelong thing. They get such sycophantic media coverage. It look. So Nick, point of, of this. So this is part of the reason why I couldn't sleep on um on after the game. Point of order: Do we now hate Geelong more than Carlton? We hate this particular incarnation of Geelong more than we hate Carlton, but as a long-term bet, you know you you have to um, you have to go back to hating Carlton. Like we, if we if we play if we play, you know, we could play both of them in a final at the end of the year. I think probably the Geelong final will just have more heat in it because of this game, but. But yeah, long long term, you've just got to come back to old faithful. No, no, I must admit, I didn't get this idea off Twitter. I got this idea off Twitter. By sorry, I forgot. I can't. I can't remember to give credit to. But there was sort of the Geelong. I think Selwood said afterwards, "Can we just can we forget about it and move on?" He's copped his whack. Nick, you know who's not going to forget about this? Well. I think I think the more to the point is that Dion Pestia has no memory, probably of the entire game. So, you know, I think it's I think it's okay to focus on that. I, I think that's fine, and I, I think that um, the next Richmond Geelong game is going to be pretty tense pretty in, hot. It, in in the field and off and the AFL has contributed to this. They will play the high high rope, mm. but by giving well, frankly, it was a fairly weak suspension because Prestia is going to miss at least two from this, yeah, um, and like might have lifetime brain damage. And they gave him yeah two, four weeks, two, four, four weeks. Two it doesn't even go to the final. Two if it goes well. Like Tim English has has missed another week this week when he was expected to play because he hasn't recovered fast as as fast as they'd hoped. Like there's there's nothing guaranteed about his recovery. Yeah, sometimes. 
yeah, they, they they've reaped what they sow here, and mm. there's been there's been Richmond supporters and the team. You know, if you look at this rationally, there's um, I'm, I'm trying not to use um, uh, sort of more emotive. T- uh, uh, this is not a social justice issue, right? Like it's a, it's a game between 22 guys we don't know, so let's not pretend it's a it's it's a grand cause. But yeah, I I feel like there's um, there will be there will be um, there will be consequences from this, and uh, that that could have been stopped if the AFL had made a stronger stance, and uh, that some of the media hadn't been so quick to um, take the good bloke narrative. Now, moving on, Nick, you have you asked well, me. Sorry, I uh, I've got a question for you. How how many other contact sports don't have a send off rule? Well, and you know, the thing is, AFL does have a send-off AFL rule. Does. AFL does, yeah. It's a rule with the top one. I've, I've sent somebody off in a, in a grand final. Actually, I didn't need to send him off because he punched someone and then just walked off the field. Like, he he was technically sent off, but we didn't get the chance because he'd already walked off. Hmm. Well, was the game close at the time? Uh, it was, it was in, extremely intense, and they were... Losing by a little bit, and it was starting to slip away. But yeah, like it, it just and yeah, it it doesn't ha- it doesn't happen very often. Like it's a it's a once or twice a season for the whole competition uh, type thing. But AFL, like every other contact sport in the world, like Super Rugby, like Rugby League, like American football, like ice hockey, like basketball, like Gaelic football, like soccer. You know, I I ran out of contact sports. I I couldn't find out about European handball, but I felt I felt like I'd done my due diligence. Like for every single one of those sports has a provision for players who either deliberately or recklessly uh, injure players from the other team are not allowed to continue on the field. And we have this provision at lower levels of football. Like it is, it speaks to the um, grotesque insularity of AFL sometimes that people like someone like John Longmire is uh, hand-wringing about how this would be implemented. Like every other sport, including AFL, manages it. And often, it, and having done it, it's honestly not that hard. It's when you've got one guy standing there next to the bloodied heap of his opponent who's lying on the ground. Like, that's, yeah, that's which, a pretty which, good place, place to start with. And you can go to the video ref, and the, the umpire yeah. actually called the free kick straight away. And also... But, oh, and he reported him on, on the spot, which is, in, in, which is unusual these days. Yeah, in the AFL of all sports, it's actually one of the lowest consequences because they could bring on a sub. Um, that's, that's not that uncommon. Like but, but, it's, a, it's about fifty-fifty in sports as to whether or not you can having research <laughs> for this yeah, show. It's fifty-fifty yeah, as to whether or not you can replace a player. Yeah, but you can replace the player on field. But not only that, because of the the way the sub rule works, um, they could have, I presume, sort of bought on, so they wouldn't be one down in the bench rotation. So you know, it, it's not. Uh, yeah, it it it. It depends. By some sports have quite a short bench, so you are disadvantaged. Others, others like American football, 
you know, you've got 53 players. So it's... Yeah, like it, it's actually most like American football, effectively. Um, so if the guy's playing and he's a starter, like it's a loss, but it's completely coverable. So anyway, we're moving on. We're moving on and yeah. um, the, the only thing is, uh, you know who's going to be on the arse end of this rule if, if they introduce it. Uh, well, the, the the team which has the historically well, I, I, the I all time worst uh, free kick differential. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it does feel like we would be the team who copped an unfair send off. Look, if I was trying to think of how many how many Richmond incident incidents would qualify from the last decade, and the only two I could come up with was uh, Bashahuli. This uh, is Carlton, I think it was, and. Um, Ty Vickery versus Dean Cox was the other one I thought and, of. And, and frankly, Ty deserved to be sent off, and he should have been. And um, that I, I often thought about that incident because Ty was obviously off his game after it. He did actually seem genuinely yeah. remorseful for his horrible act, and Tom Stewart didn't look nearly as remorseful as Ty Vickery. So there's no. all this crap about how so like he was fine. Like he went out and continued his job, which he's paid very well for, quite effectively. Yeah, I I don't think he was overcome with grief. It was the weirder set, one of the weirder set of coaches' votes I've ever seen. Other than um, for the third time in five weeks, um, Liam Baker got uh, nine coaches' votes, but um, one coach had uh, Blitzarves as the best player on the ground for his extremely consequential seventeen disposals on a wing as backup ruck, seventeen disposals and a goal as a wing and backup rock, and the other coach didn't have him in the votes at all, and the AFL player rating had him as the 23rd best player on the ground. And one coach gave uh, Tom Stewart four votes, and the other didn't give him any at all. And I have no idea <laughs> which one it would have been. It, 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 you know what? I think I think um, uh, Scott gave Blitzards the five votes because... Really? Yeah. Because and he's then, very... and, ba- and Baker four and Baker four votes. Yeah, because I think Scott loves, like he loves the overcomplex coaching uh, move. Uh, he, mm-hmm. He's quite he's quite different to Dimmer in that way, and um, the the Blitzard sort yeah, of move, like, move is, is a bit current, galaxy brain. Current current career, um, Dimmer is much more prone to to throwing them around than. True, but he's not like Dimmer. Like he's got a little bit creative, but he's not a smart ass. Chris Chris Scott is a smart ass in the, the way he moves. Like he loves the the galaxy brain coaching move. Um, you know, um, picking Soto as a ruck aside, that is not that is not career dimmer. Um, so yeah. Anyway, Nick, I, I still feel now we've got that off our chest, and uh, should we keep going on on the venting? Because I, I I've got something to get off my chest about the free kick differential, but um, it, it's it's a fairly minor one. Oh, look, it was it was extremely frustrating, particularly in the second quarter. But there there were there were other moments of extreme frustration, like the the Graham deliberate out of bounds, the the non free kick against Lynch in the, the the last quarter. The, the not stopping the game when when Prestia was the game was Prestia. yeah there there is that it that is a re- the umpires are told to err on the side of keeping the game the play going unless the player is in imminent danger 
Okay, that is interesting. So that, that they probably in that case they probably made the right decision, even though apparently the Jack and others were screaming at them to stop the game. Yeah, that's not enough. The yeah, uh, okay. players asking you to stop the game is not enough. They, you have to be convinced that the player, not a player being carried off the ground, is not sufficient. Uh, a stretcher obviously stops it, but um, someone being carried off, unless unless the play is absolutely headed towards them, it's not enough. Okay, that that is interesting. But yeah, so I, I just did... Um, look, I, I don't want to dwell on that, but for whatever reason, like if you look at the... And I suspect it goes back long, but if you look basically since the turn of the century, um, the, the Richmond team... This year's Richmond team is the worst, but the last... Like it's not unusual in our sort of good run that we've mm. had the worst free kick differential yeah, like it, 20, 2018 we were we were really bad and that yeah. that, was, that was the worst team of that decade for free kick differential yeah and we're equal to that now and the mm-hmm. the second worst team is much better than us yeah. and there's the sort of there's a few simple ex, but like I, I put this on twitter if people are interested richmond tiger talk on twitter um and the sort of the the and the thing is well 18th on so I can kind of accept we might give away a few more free kicks because we play that sort of heavy pressure game and we've got yeah, a few guys gr- like Nan- gr- Nank. Aggressive style, yeah. Yeah, Nank and Pickett. Pickett, who, Pickett doesn't take a backwards step. No, no his care factor's pretty low about, you know, the, the sometimes they make a statement, which, you know, t- frankly I love and I love to watch, so no complaints there. But the way that other teams stop, we're 18th for free kicks given too, which is yeah. really odd. Like that seems like a perception issue and... And that is like, like that covers over, um, yeah. you, you know, how, multiple years. How how is it that with a forward line of marking targets, Lynch, Rewalt, Dusty, Shea, like how how are they so rarely infringed against? Them? Yeah, so, and I mean, I put that on Twitter, but I didn't reach any final conclusions. I just pointed out some of the stats and that some of the the, the simple explanations uh, don't work, that, you know, the correlation, you know, there's a couple of easy explanations people come up with that aren't really true. Um, anyway, I, I know I, sh- I shouldn't have been surprised, but it did annoy me when you sort of, you don't reach any conclusions, and then people who claim that they're statistics people on their bio then tweet back and say it's, or retweet, um, quite tweeted as, oh, this is a bad faith interpretation, and then bad faith interpret what you were saying. Like, yeah. you know, all you're saying is that this is this, this is what the facts are saying. Yeah. You're not saying it's systemic bias. Like, I, I suspect it's systemic bias, but it's not what I said on Twitter. And also, like, you know, oh, I can't, I I can't I prove it. I don't know. Yeah, that there's. There, I mean, Jack. Jack never gets kicks because you know he probably hasn't helped himself through through more than a decade and a half of complaining to umpires. But yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, that shouldn't, that shouldn't a, matter. Like you, you know, just just because there is a. I think it's quite possible that Richmond has featured prominently in in the umpiring videos that, you know, particularly Steve Hocking has sent out over the years about the type of uh, behaviour that they're trying to crack down on. Yeah, that's my kind of working spirit. And the fact that they they put the twin of our arch rival in because apparently he's just so such a vital and important manager for his 
one finals winner in, win in his many many years in North Melbourne. Um, oh, look, he is he is the the you know the cl- the classic type of person that they've had, they've had in that role. Anyway, look, it's getting off the point, but like. Um, you know, it's just it frustrates me as we can't have an intelligent discourse. But this was the thing I wanted to say about it. The thing that really annoys me. So the I felt I think my analysis was very simplistic because if you wanted to debate the systematic bias, what you'd really do is look at the scores from it because who's getting the free kicks in the high level oh, yeah, situa- situations? Yeah, where, where the free kicks are coming from, and yeah, and free kicks, free kicks per one-on-one contest as well. Yep, yeah, and. All that data is held by champion data, which is 51% owned by the AFL, and the AFL doesn't make any of it public. No, no. Since the demise of the AFL prospectus, of which I'm actually literally looking at a bookshelf with my loving uh, collection of prospectuses, since they stopped publishing that, they literally do nothing direct to the public Um you know the only the only things they do are those absurd lists of who's elite at positions that um, the, the uh, news- just like news- insultingly obvious clickbait. Yeah, the n- newspapers published for the just to get some heat. Yeah, it's nonsense. Anyway, we should move on and talk about footballers. Indeed. Well, so we've only we've gone twenty five minutes and we've just basically done nothing but complain. Um, yeah. So Nick. I'm just going to provoke you one last thing. We won the game by three points on the advanced expected I shots. I can, yeah. Look, yeah. it was a really tight game and it could have gone either way. And, yeah, you know, maybe our best clearance player would have helped us. Uh, would have been worth a couple of goals or at least a goal, you know. Indeed, but... Amazing effort by Baker and, Vo- and Ross that really stepped up in the absence. Yes, yeah, Baker, Baker in the second half, um, going into midfield. Yeah, in- incredible. It, it it genuinely makes me queasy the the media coverage of uh, you know the Eagles chasing him. Although you know the Eagles, the Eagles seem quite unlikely to have the the first pick in the draft or less likely to have the first pick in the draft as they did but yeah they they definitely have some some leverage there but yeah look he's been such a part of the club and the club took a chance on him when nobody else did so yeah unless it's a crazy stupid contract yeah, do, do, do I'm, think I'm, I'm hopeful. The Eagles are are old and crap. And bad, <laughs> yeah. Bad. And Baker is a complimentary player. Like he's a lovely, but we we love him, we adore him, and he's great. But he's not a ninety kilo mid. He's not. Yes, but he is. He's re- <laughs> what well, we, you know, he's been best on ground as voted by two AFL coaches in three of the past five games as said before right? he's going pretty well look I mean we loved him when we drafted him um, as we always we love the good stats lower league guys um, yeah but um, you know he I was, I was sh- genuine I was as I've said before I was genuinely shocked how small he was it, it is it is incredible not just that he's established a senior career but that he can go into the center bounce where only the biggest and bravest go and and excel 
Like it's it's yeah, a it, credit to him. He's now in the fifties as one of the best players in the AFL. Like it, yeah. it's it's quite amazing. But I do kind of wonder whether that's sustainable in any team. Um, I think you right need the right infrastructure. I don't know. I just I think he's at the right club for him. But that's completely yeah. biased. Yeah, I'm. I am cautiously optimistic that that's that it's going to work. We'd, we've just, you know, we've we've kept these guys. Um, before. Yep. Um, so yeah. Nick, do you do you know who had eleven possessions in our very brave last quarter? Hmm. Three no, more than know. our second highest. Toby Nankervis. Yeah, he was he was pretty great. Um, it was it was a brutal game. Um, but his uh, his dropping back in the the last quarter was like yeah, I thought we defended pretty well most of the day, but it got it got ragged in the last quarter at times. I think both both teams were very tired, and we obviously you know were were a midfielder down. But um, yeah, he he was fantastic. It, I think he, I think it's a career best season for him. Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, I, I, he can, he consistently it also had five clearances, or consistently impresses me on the upside of what I think he's capable of. Um, Grimes had twelve intercepts just while we're, we're doing the the captain yep, love fest. Pretty great. Yeah, he was. Um, Rioli had a really interesting game with the, the sort of the two goals. Um, <laughs> he didn't. He didn't do a great deal. I mean, there was a fair bit of chasing, and there was a there was a nice touch or two otherwise. But the two goals were just genuinely exciting. They were they were, they were uplifting moments. And look, even Judson Judson Clark did even less, and his goal his goal was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, which yeah, as well. Which, by the way, wasn't necessary if um, Tom Lynch had got the free kick. Yeah. Um. He, by the way, he's as as a small forward. Rioli was equal equal team leader in um, pressure points, which is yeah. almost unheard of. Yeah. So it's pretty great. So, yeah, Judson Judson really struggled to get the football. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty tough game. Like him and him and Gibkiss were the only uh, first year. Uh, players out there. Look, I thought on Gibkiss, there was at one point uh, a commentator sort of compared um, uh, De Koenig uh, to Gibkiss. I was like, oh, it's it's quite... I mean, they are, they are both tall and skinny, but it's quite difficult to compare them. You know, Gibkiss is in his first year since being drafted, and De Koning played one senior game in his first two years in the system. Like I think it's oh, it, it, it's a huge difference. Like, like just the age difference in that is, yeah. is enormous. And, yeah. and do you think that there's a chance that Gibkiss is going to be a significantly better player in his third year? Hmm. I think I think we'd be disappointed if he wasn't. Yeah, that that was definitely his worst game, um, and he, he struggled with it. But it it was well, no I it thought... was no, no country for young men. No, and the and the team balance was. Because because Geelong, I mean Geelong sometimes play a, play a third uh, forward like like Henry or Blitz Arms or but yeah we we struggled a bit for for the right matchup for him. Yeah, I, I think I think maybe it's time to to cycle him give through, him, but give him a week. 
Yeah, yeah, but look, we've praised him in a lot of other podcasts. I, I don't think we yeah. need to. We don't need no, to no, give that we, context. We are, we are extremely. Um, yeah, he's he's. If De Kooning is his baseline comparison, it's of you know toiling away in the VFL all season, and plenty of very good Richmond key defenders have spent most. Uh, a fair bit of time in the VFL in their early career. And, and I'm quite keen to talk about the VFL, so I don't want to dwell too much on... on the 27 touches by Rioli, wonderful as always, is showing out at the big yeah. stages. Yeah, really, it was great. Really, really interesting redemption game by Ross, you know. Yeah, he, was, he, he really needed to to step up, and he did, which is, which is pretty fantastic. Yeah, 25 um, touches, 6 clearances, and like... Don't forget it in a point that we raised. It feels like he's been around forever because he had a good start, but he is still 21. Yeah. Can you can you think of a better marking Richmond wingman than Pickett? Oh, Richo? <laughs> well, that feels a bit like cheating. I'll, I'll accept that one. I was, I was God, you, you've got to go back to like, uh, Stephen Ryan played on a wing. Um. I don't. I don't remember Brian Wood, but he was he was a hundred and uh, he was the same height as as Disco Roach and, and played on a wing in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. He, his second half was fantastic. I thought. Yeah, was it? And I I think we need to pay credit to Terence Game, who I've yeah I've been uh, yeah overwhelmed with, but. Uh, he stood up in. He was in, he was in invigorated by playing on someone older than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, Ralph Smith. Uh, we mentioned about Ralph Smith coming into the team. His his goal was a genuine leap off your seat moment. That's why you play those those kids like that with that elite athleticism and the ability to run because they do stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. Uh, look, look, yeah. Completely agree. Mm. Yeah, and and. Uh, Shay had some absolutely outrageous moments. Right. Yeah, he, uh, I, I just, I feel, I feel fortunate to watch him play. So Nick, with the Tom Lynch, the dropped mark, um, I, I was uh, watching the game um, with a uh, few family members, and I, I was sort of. Um, doing the pompous will I play. So, like, I understand a few things here. <laughs> like, you know, that was kicking that off the left, the right. And it, we, we sort of, when Tom Lynch dropped that mark, I tried to find an explanation and I just couldn't. He was, he played 120 minutes of AFL football. Like, you know. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, it was just the... It, I would I would love to use my expertise playing um, amateur football <laughs> to understand what it was like to mark yeah. that ball at sixty thousand dollars, sixty thousand with the lights yeah. at the MCG. Yeah. Where, where you've never dropped a mark. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, you know, as you know, I had elite skills. Uh, we'll still yeah. Go. Well, um, still yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, you just compose songs in your honour. <laughs> Anyways, I, I apologise for... Anyway, I, I had no explanation. Sorry to make that about me. Um, uh, Flosty had a really good game on the digital measures, was really high-ranked. Um, is there anyone else you wanted to highlight? No, no, that that, that was it for me. It was a... Uh, I come away from a feeling 
from that game certainly feeling like like another crack at them in the finals. Yeah, indeed. Um, I, I had some sympathy for uh, someone, a friend of ours, who said, incomplete gestures, not a serious comment, but I'm currently in the mood to go to go door-to-door in Geelong looking for Tom Stewart. <laughs> Again, a jest. Don't encourage that kind of behaviour or that talk in any social media forum, but I think on a podcast, it's okay. I think I think we understand the sense of frustration. Um, before we talk to the VFL, um, I want to give you the latest entry in my case as to why the AFLW players are more are more interesting as people <laughs> than the AFLM players, you know, because they have jobs mm-hmm. and careers. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so we we drafted uh, a Category B rookie. Um, Last week, um, not drafted, but signed. Um, uh, Sigrid uh, Taylor, who's a um, 184-centimetre uh, basketball player, and I think you know we've had, obviously, a fantastic experience um, with Tessa Levy and Mon Conti as basketball players. Like, she... I mean, she's clearly rawer as a footballer. We have no idea what she's like in the football... As a footballer, like, she is a tall and talented... Uh, athlete uh, clearly as a as a basketballer um but she's also a published author and won a, a short story a competition for young authors last year like you know that that the whole they just have more interesting lives because they do have lives outside of football yeah uh, are we sure we don't know about um um Dusty's unpublished works or, you know, <laughs> poultry slam that he's published <laughs> under a pseudonym. <laughs> Some of his haiku is very moving. Anyway, uh, that was for, I, I should have picked on someone other than Dusty, but yeah, yeah no, good point. Um, so the AFL, uh, w AFL, draft will, AFLW draft has has just con- concluded. Um, we went we went sort of, I don't know how you describe it, pretty, is it high risk to, we picked a really highly rated player who would have been picked much higher because, you know, she was, as a, as a wing half forward, she averaged 20 disposals a game and more than a goal a game uh, in the, in the NAB league, which, you know, there's, there's similar stats to Stella Reid, who was our first pick uh, last year who, as a, as a top five pick. Um, but, she recently tore her ACL and is going to miss the whole season. So it's a it's a bet on talent for future seasons rather than this season. And yeah, I quite, I quite like it actually. Yeah, look, we have, do have to acknowledge here it is peak AFLW um, galaxy brain to have a team that didn't make the top eight have its first round pick at number thirty eight. But, but, but we're yeah. repeating a trope we've discussed many times about um, the, the uh, complexity. Is you, you can never have too much complexity in AFLW administration. But yeah, no, I completely agree. The only thing that a little bit, you don't have as long a period of sort of no that, that exclusivity a... that you do with, with the guys. But like, I totally get the point. I pick 38, you've got to take a risk, right? And like mm. on paper, she was very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And and our second pick was fifty eight. <laughs> um, further making your point, but uh, we picked uh, Elise Sharon out of out of the Sydney. He's a twenty nine year old who's been playing in the Sydney competition. Which look we we've had 
success with um, mature players from from other state leagues, uh, in, well, including last year. But yeah, I mean, it was it was getting pretty close to the end of the draft, and then uh, for our last uh, pick, uh, we got Caitlin Cox, who who'd been playing for Hawthorne's uh, VFLW team. So yeah, it. <laughs> Honestly, the last two picks feel very much depth, um, rather than you know anyone. Yeah, you could reasonably expect to be a long-term contributor. On the other hand, Carlton turned one of our disco. We were we're, we're so we're taking one of the non-taken up members of a expansion team, and yeah. uh, Carlton did it to us, and it actually turned out fairly well for them. So yeah, that's true. Grace Egan, well, yeah, and we got it back. But yeah, look, it's. I don't know. Yeah, it. Then there's when you start at pick thirty-eight, it's not an exciting draft. It's not an exciting draft. No, I didn't even bother to research possible picks for us. Like it's just, it's just too hard. Um, when you're picking so far late, um, I, I kind of, I'm worried that um, not enough's been done to to shake up what what has been, um. Uh, a competition with real competitive balance problems, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go. It's a new season coming up. Indeed. Now, uh, VFL. Yep. Great win. Cracking win. This, so, so Nick, this, uh, this partly watching the last quarter, at least par- partially redeemed my weekend. <laughs> Nick, what happened to me was um, I was actually in Sydney um, last weekend, and as you know. And I was I was meant to fly at eleven AM and my flight got delayed till five. So I was stuck in Sydney Airport in the lounge with nothing to do except read a book and uh in partake on, on uh free sort of fifteen dollar mm-hmm. bottle of wine. And then the VFL came on, the warning on the app came up and look, it, it did you know, after the anger of the Geelong game, and then having my flight flight delayed five hours and been stuck in an airport, I must admit the the VFL was a much needed tonic to soothe my <laughs> soothe myself. So it, it was good fun. I have a lot of takes, but what stood out to you? Oh, look that you could almost um, like Sydney Stack um, mm-hmm. played mm-hmm. played really well. Um. Your your favourite Jake Arts was one of our best players. Um, God, Noah Cumberland is is one of the best finishers in front of goal who that we've seen in a while at Richmond. That that, that goal he kicked from outside fifty, where he did the little skip in the run up, like yep. that. That's really old school, sort of high skill footballer stuff. Like I I love that. Yeah, yeah. It would. They, yeah. So we we about three goals down at um, three quarter time and and just completely ran over the top of them. Like it was it was a lot of fun. Um, Mate uh, Kalina's uh, first goal where he he roved a Sydney stack marking attempt um, and uh, snapped through on his right was was certainly unexpected to say the very least. Look. The problem with Mate, so I have thoughts on Mate, as you'd be shocked to hear, Nick. And weirdly, we're not... So he can't get the footy, obviously. His possession total has been really low for his first three games. 
and we we could make that easier by playing him in the centre square more, but we aren't racking him for whatever reason, his development process. But we did actually kick it to him a lot, in, especially early in the game, and he had a lot of balls bounce off his hands, which isn't the end of the world because it was a cold day. We were sort of using him as the traditional centre forward to just create a contest, which he did okay because he's so enormous. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting how we're developing him, but he well, is... and. When we play him forward so much, we play um, Samson Ryan more in the ruck. I, I really like Samson Ryan in the ruck. Hey, let's. I, I'm going to talk more more about Samson too. But yeah, he is. Kalina is so struggling with the speed and the agility of the game. Like he he kicked that goal because it was in a phone booth for him, and he's got nice skills. But yeah, he he was. Well, I mean, it's not really rocket science when he's averaging two possessions a game that he, he's struggling with the speed of the game. But yeah, we shall see. But on the Ryan, so Ryan was playing against a guy you would know well, Nick, because yep. he was the first Sam, round draft pick. Sam, uh, in higher second round draft pick. He, oh, apologies. He was he was seen as um, the best sort of pure pure ruck in the draft crop. Um, you know, you, you know, nobody nobody's quite certain what position. Mac Andrews gonna gonna end up playing, but yeah, he he was quite highly rated. Yeah, so younger than you know, we do have to acknowledge that he's he's, he's younger than Samson. Yeah, he's a big boy, but he's younger than Samson. Yeah, and he did he beat Samson unfortunately in one marking contest, which is the kind of thing that gets you know a a, a coach breaks his headset on. Um, uh, what um an NFL coach does uh, when Samson gave up that contest, but Samson also had seven free kicks, mainly racking against him because he was too big and too strong for him in the ruck contest, yeah. which would be a bit of a worry for someone. I mean, Samson was a sort of a late second rounder too, so I guess it's not uh, third rounder. Yeah, third, third. sorry, third. So like, you just, I'd, I'd be, I thought Samson acquitted himself fairly well overall. Yeah, no, I I thought he had the better the mat of the matchup and. Yeah, he um, he works really hard. Like it's, uh, um, yeah. I, he, he he does. He has. It's hard to explain it, but he has ruckish vibes. Like, <laughs> um, like there's a certain level of work rate and strength in his body, which he's developed. Like, and the thing is, he's so much better than I what I saw in round one, mm. and. Partly that he, he's always better when he's first ruck, but uh, yeah, he's yeah, definitely. But there's definitely all I'm saying is there's definitely up improvement in the gra- graph, mm. which is, is great. Now, who else impressed you? I like I liked Sam Banks. Like I, there were flashes from Tom Brown as well, but yeah, I, I mean, I lo- I really like them both as as athletes and what they can become as as footballers, but. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Sam Banks's game. Like, I, I mean, there were there were a number of players um, from from that game who, you know, looked looked deserving of senior football, like Sydney Stack, Cumberland, Arts. Yeah. Miller's I, Miller's ball use is notably AFL level. Like, it yeah. really stands out. Yeah, if we want to give Gibkiss uh, a week, he's he's definitely an option. Yeah, I think I think Banks Banks has some claims. I thought Sonzi and Riley Collie Dawkins were both better than they have been, but still still scope for improvement. <laughs> Stop me if you've heard this, Nick, but Arsley looked really good in flashes, but he didn't sustain it throughout the game. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was kind of frustrating. Um but yeah, no, it was a, it was 
It was a really fun game. Nick, this is... So, Dow had another fairly disappointing game. Really I know. His, his, second half of, his second half of the year has been a real uh, disappointment. The one thing I will say, he looks like a first-round midfielder. His body is changing and he looks like the archetypical kind of guy that you want. So I don't know, maybe he's got a bit COVID or, you know, sort of long COVID or whatever. But just for what it's worth, he passes the eye test. He's toolsy. Neither of them did very much else on the day, but both... um, Particularly Biggie Nguyen at the end of the third quarter, but um, Jacob Bauer as well, both bus kicks and pretty outrageous goals. Yeah, um, I, I like Bauer. He's mm-hmm. he's fast and he does. There was, there was a moment where he just took off and he just he knew that his opponent couldn't touch him because he knew he had the the legs. Um, yeah. Like that kind of, that. You, if when you're doing stuff like that, you know you're fast. Yeah. All right. Nick, we're at 48 minutes and we haven't got, uh, after a loss, and we haven't got to our opponent for next week. So I think it's time to transition to um, wet toast. And um, <laughs> Sorry, that, that I, I was struck. So, okay, obviously they, they won last week, but they had a minus 15 inside 50 differential and were yeah. considerably older. Like, they, ha- they have an old team and they're still crap and they're going to get older when Nick Nat comes back. Like what the hell? How can they be so bad and be so old? I know, and and yet, and there's still there's still quite a few players from their from their Premiership team in the, in the team. Like it's yeah, they have one player inside the top 100 in the AFL, and it's McGovern. Yeah, they're 18th in uh, contested uh, possessions uh, per game. A team with Jack Darling. Josh Kennedy uh, is 17th for contested marks and marks inside 50 uh, per game. Yeah, look, they they have been they've been much more competitive the last two weeks as they've started to get some players back into the team. But we're 38 point favourites. Like this would be this would be embarrassing. Um, um, if we lose this, yeah, no, completely agree. And look, it's actually hard to analyze the game because they've been yeah. so bad. Their stats are all crap. Like they're basically a force for North Melbourne. They're so far the worst team in the AFL. So it's hard to get a feel of their form line. And even last week, like it was a junk game, with really yeah. weird, abnormal outcome. But I guess the, the one thing I'm interested in, Nick, is your opinion of like, like obviously we have to bring in. We'll probably bring in. It, it, we're probably bringing three players, but like, who would you most like to see in the seniors? Without without naming it, we're necessarily going to drop, other than Prestia, obviously, but it, and probably Kipkus. I think that's probably guaranteed. But who would you like to see most? Who would you most like to see get a senior game from the VFL? Oh, it's. I mean, it's a. I don't know. You can call it a redemption story, but I'd like Noah Cumberland. I'd like to see Noah Cumberland in a Richmond. Jumper. Yeah, no, totally. Me too. I think that's a very on, fair comment. On the ground in a senior game, like he's at the MCG, you know, kind of he kind of earned that right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That'd that'd be a good start. Um, yeah, I think I think Miller Miller for Gipkis, uh makes a makes a bit of sense. Um, if you were to ask me to 
which inside midfielder we're going to bring in for uh, Prestia, given given Cochin's a couple of weeks away. That's that's pretty tricky. Well, I, perhaps we don't. We just we bring other people yeah, into the midfield, yeah. and and we what a, who who for you? Well, this is going to shock you, Nick. But like as you say, we're thirty-eight point favourites. We're probably not winning this. It's a, it's, it's a third Rockman, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Pay that. Um, uh, like if anyone had watched Melbourne play Brisbane, like Melbourne played defended the forward hand pass really well, which is our one word. Yeah. Look, we're going to need to get more creative. Like for God's sake, Dimmer, don't play Jake Hartz. I know it's your comfort blanket, but he's played really well the last two weeks. <laughs> He's played this week. He's been good, but last week he just kicked a lot of goals, but he didn't actually play that well. Like he didn't have the yeah. match of the footy. Um, but it it doesn't matter. Like there's no upside there at the VFL level, at the AFL level. You know who has upside? A bloke called Sydney Stack. I really want to see him. Yeah, I completely that'd agree. Be fun. That'd be really fun. So, so bringing so, him, him and Cumberland in is hard, but yeah, Stack. I, if Stack for Judson Clark wouldn't be the worst the worst thing in the world. All right, furious agreement here. Yeah, yeah. Look, the there's there's enough there's enough there for the Eagles to make it competitive for parts of the game, but yeah, it's really hard to see us losing this one. Even even this close to the game, and as prone as I am to panicking, I'm having trouble generating much panic. I just hope the players are doing emotionally better than I am. I'm Nick. I'm Andy. We're Rich from Tiger Talk. It starts with a vision. If we're not locked into that, might as well pack up and go home. You're talking about three flags by 2020. Fitzroy has played in more files than you guys. And after 13 straight losses, the Tigers are no longer toothless. Their first win for 2010. Carmichael Hunt. Look at Jeffrey. First preliminary final in 16 long years, and they have done it. They've won. The Tigers are into the prelim. Tigers.